0: Nicola Everett.
1: Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, August the 10th. And our top story today is that a man's died after a car crashed into a bus during a police chase in Margate. An Audi TT failed to stop for officers on Chottendame Road yesterday morning. Well, Lucy joins me now
2: with more on this one. And the driver's been named in tributes, Lucy. Yes, people have been leaving messages online in memory of 23-year-old Taylor Perkins. It's understood he was driving the car when the crash happened on Spitfire Way in Manston. One tribute says RIP Taylor Perkins, far too young to be snatched from this world. Another reads, RIP Taylor Perkins, such sad news. A good lad knew you from young, love to all his friends and family. According to his Facebook profile, he went to King Ethelbert School, which is in Birchington. And what have we heard from police? Well, they've told us that the police watchdog is now looking into the crash, which is standard procedure. It's also understood the police vehicle involved didn't make contact with either the car or the bus. Officers from the Serious Collision Investigation Unit want to hear from anyone who may have seen the vehicles on the road prior to the collision. Details on how to contact them are within the story on the website. Lucy, thank Thank you ever so much. A man's
1: been found guilty of murder after a 66-year-old was found beaten and stabbed at his home in Folkestone. Paul Wakefield was taken to hospital after being discovered at the property in January, but couldn't be saved. Shane Miles, who's 31 and from Rock Avenue in Gillingham, is said to have considered the victim to be like a father figure. His partner, Kayleigh Halliday, who's 36 and from Crown Road in Sittingbourne, pleaded guilty to murder earlier on in the trial. They'll both be sentenced later this month. It's emerged a teenage boy who died at a fun fair in Dover was crushed after becoming trapped on a ride. 14-year-old Mackenzie Croxford Cook was found at the site in Pencester Gardens last week and couldn't be revived. We're told the ride wasn't running at the time and his death is not being treated as suspicious. Investigations have been carried out by the Health and Safety Executive. Thousands of pounds has been raised for several families after a fire swept through homes. Near Dartford. The blaze broke out in an area of grassland in Crayford Way before spreading to the properties yesterday. Around 60 firefighters were needed to tackle the flames. You can see pictures of the devastation on the website. And coming up a little bit later on in this episode, we're going to be hearing from Kent Fire and Rescue on how they've been affected by the extremely hot weather. Two more people have caught monkeypox in Kent and now there are concerns about a vaccine shortage. The new cases are in Canterbury and Folkestone and Hythe. Supply issues mean there are only 5,000 vaccine doses left in the UK and bookings in some areas have already closed. Well, the UK Health and Security Agency says the illness mostly affects men who have sex with other men. Greg Owen is from the Terence Higgins Trust. It's quite
3: clear that monkeypox is here; it's going to stay for a while. And I'd like to know and the community would like to know what the plans are for vaccine programmes into the autumn and into next year, because this is not going away anytime soon. And the silence is causing more problems. Kent
1: Online News. The only secondary school on the Isle of Sheppey has been rated inadequate. Inspectors made a surprise visit to Oasis Academy in June. Their damning report is out today and reveals details of bullies using racist, homophobic and sexist language, a lack of permanent teachers and half of students just not turning up to lessons. Academy bosses say they'd already started work on addressing the issues, including appointing new executive principal Andy Booth. They've also pledged to invest £1.3 million on improving the building and bringing in youth workers to support families. Well, 1,400 young people currently go to the school and we've been speaking to Steve Chalk, who's the founder of Oasis.
4: We accept the report. Um, The inspectors came and saw what they saw. And we're not in dispute about what they saw at all. So, you know, with uh, we accept it for what it is, because it's a it's a true and accurate record of that uh, photo snapshot on on the couple of days that they were there. And it um, showed many of the issues that we've got issues that have increased for us uh, since the pandemic and through the pandemic. And so we'd already started putting lots of measures in place to make a difference. And I'll talk about some of those, if you like. But for instance, as you know yourself, John, we would recruited Andy Booth. At long last, we recruited a head teacher of real quality who's committed to stay on the island, really committed to stay for the long haul, as you know which is fantastic. We've recruited him because we knew of these issues that had emerged for us, had amplified for us um, through the pandemic and through the lockdown. We've recruited a whole new uh, le- senior leadership team, and we've restructured the leadership team, And we've done all of that before the um, Ofsted report, uh, b- before the Ofsted visit took place. So whereas, when the Ofsted team came, they knew and the report will say they could see that we put in place measures for the future. They still had to take the snapshot on that day.
0: And, and what did they find?
4: What they found was a, a whole number of issues related to poor attendance, very low attendance, um, related to not enough um, uh, staff, teachers there and over reliance on supply teachers um, related to not being able to teach some of the core subjects uh, as well as we should be doing because of the over reliance on supply uh, teachers, etc, um, etc. Et so it so it, it was that mix of issues and more. But those are the, the core ones. Uh, that they saw those are the the core ones that we knew about and were talking to the department for education about um and were making progress on you know in terms of rebuilding post the pandemic but in one sense uh the report came we think if the report come um three or four months on, they would have seen a different picture but that was the situation on those days and that's that's what we're rebuilding through so we've got a whole action plan in place uh, which most of which we had in place before the inspection took place because we knew those were the issues we needed to address but we've now um got that re- that action plan ready to submit to the DfE. That's where we are.
1: Well perhaps you have children who go to the school or maybe you used to go there. We'd love to know your thoughts on this one. You can leave a comment at Kent Online or via our socials. This is one of our most read stories today and just days before a hosepipe ban comes into force in part of Kent it's emerged a much needed reservoir could be built in the county. Southeast Water want to flood a large area of farmland in the Broad Oak area of Canterbury and have the site run by 2032. They say it will be capable of holding 5 billion litres of water. A consultation into the idea is set to be launched in the autumn. Well, you can head to the website to see what it could eventually look like. This podcast is
0: sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone.
1: Sticking with the weather theme and as I promised earlier we're going to be hearing now from Kent Fire and Rescue because they say they're experiencing an exceptional level of demand because it is just so dry. Anything from a discarded cigarette to pieces of litter can start a blaze in the current conditions. We're being urged not to have bonfires at all at the moment and to be extra careful with disposable barbecues. It comes as a level 3 heat Health alert is in force across the county with an amber warning also issued from tomorrow until Sunday. Well, I've been chatting to David Escudia, who's an area manager at Kemp Fire and Rescue Service.
5: I've been in the Fire and Rescue Service for over 26 years now, and this is definitely one of the busiest summers we've ever experienced. Um, this time of year is normally our busy period with the school holidays, and we do tend to get a lot of standing crop fires and grass fires. But if I give you an example, this time last year we responded to around 44 grass fires and wildfires. So far this year we've responded to over 400. So you can see that with this extreme heat weather it's really impacted on our, our, the instances we are attending.
1: That's an incredible number. It doesn't surprise me. What are the conditions like for firefighters tackling those blazes in such extreme heat?
5: Well you, you can imagine if you just look on the beaches that people are stripping off and still find it unbearably warm. With firefighters even with um, field fires we still have to wear our, our Personal protective equipment. So it is very arduous conditions for all our firefighters out there. But again, we're well prepared for these seasons. We've got lots of other arrangements in place to bring in extra crews, bring in specialist firefighting equipment, and ensure that our crews, when they have fought a wildfire, they get time to stand down and get some relief before they get onto the next one.
1: We've got another heat alert in place, um, an amber weather warning. What would be your message this week?
5: I think our key message um, is, is a number of points. First of all, please no bonfires this isn't the time of year to have a bonfire. It doesn't matter if you think that it's nice and safe, if you think it's all surrounded with hose hose lines. We've seen lots of instances where, actually a bonfire just released one spark and that's gone next door. And we've seen a lot of um, personal property being damaged by by bonfires. So our first thing is please no bonfires, wait till the autumn when it's wetter. Um, Our second advice really for this type of weather is just look out for your neighbours. Just like we would do in the winter time, the elderly do get impacted, and especially the vulnerable this time of year. So please check in on your elderly neighbours and relatives and make sure they're okay. Always be prepared. If you're travelling anywhere, take a lot of bottled water with you and enough food just in case your journey takes longer. It's nothing nicer than standing in a traffic jam with nothing to, to eat or drink. And thirdly, really, this time of year, we do get a lot of water rescues and water-related incidents. So, our message will be the same as our colleagues in the RNLI and the Coast Guard. Please only swim in lifeguarded areas, and please avoid open water. I know how tempting it can be, especially for young people, to jump into lakes and rivers this time of year to cool off. But they are really unpredictable. You don't know what currents are underneath them. You don't know what obstacles are underneath them. So please, just only swim and cool off in designated areas.
1: You mentioned there about bonfires. What about disposable barbecues? They're, they're very, very popular. But I, th- I think we've heard that some stores actually—they're not prepared to actually sell them because they can cause fires. I mean, what would your advice be on barbecues at the moment? Obviously, if
5: we didn't have any disposable barbecues, but we wouldn't have any fire started by disposable barbecue but right here and now we're just focused on getting through this summer period so we'd say that we don't spoil anyone's fun if you're going to have a barbecue just be very very sensible have a look around you Is a barbecue sited on something which you can't easily ignite lots of people put disposable barbecues on grass and then they're surprised when the grass catches fire this time of year everything has been preheated so it only takes a spark to ignite and, and turn into a large wildfire so make sure your barbecue is sighted off anything which could be combustible, well away from anything that can be combustible. And we're talking here about sheds, fences, greenery, shrubbery, well away from them areas. Always keep it supervised and always have a lot of water standing by. So once you're finished with a barbecue, you can give it a good rinse to make sure it's absolutely freezing cold before you dispose of it carefully. And more importantly on beaches, please don't cover up the barbecue with just sand because the next person who walks in that sand doesn't know that heated barbecue is there.
1: And with the fires that we're seeing in the large fields, are they likely to have been started by perhaps something as straightforward as a discarded cigarette? Or is there such thing as they can just spontaneously happen because it's so hot and dry at the moment?
5: Spontaneous combustion is is, is very rare. And likewise, discarded cigarettes are normally fairly rare to to start fires. But this time of year, everything is so preheated anyway, it doesn't take a lot to catch things alight. so as everything's already hot a discarded cigarette could quite easily catch a crop field alight. light um that could be just someone driving past throwing a cigarette out their window and it landed on a grass verge we've seen that happen recently but again just things left in field so broken bottles and cans that can reflect light and that can cause fires and unfortunately we have some evidence that some fires have been started not maliciously but by children and, and, and sometimes their parents building campfires and they're not having any media to put it out when it gets out of control.
1: Plans have been put in place for another 24-hour gambling center in the middle of Maidstone. If proposals are given the go ahead, it would be the third to open on Week Street. Critics say people should be spending their money on living during the current crisis. We're told the facility would create 10 jobs, and investigations underway after a severely underweight dog was found wandering around in Sheerness. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of the female American Bull cross who Who's been named Yuzu? The local dog warden says there are signs of prolonged animal cruelty, describing it as one of their worst welfare cases this year. Kent Online reports. A Gravesend woman who sells content on OnlyFans has been speaking about some of the more bizarre requests she receives. Mickey Rose is 22 but has been in the sex trade since she was 18. Now, she said she can earn up to £10,000 a month from the content she posts online. But there's a downside too she's received threats, including violence. And kidnap. Well, here's what she had to say to our reporter about some of the more weird requests she's received.
3: A lot of requests are, can you like dress up in this weird specific thing? Um, And someone sent a message asking me and my partner to do a reverse Midsummer thing where I was dressed as a bear and he was, I don't know, dressed because I've never seen Midsummer, So I assume dressed in a white cultist outfit with flowers and things. I've had quite a few people, uh, specifically ask for me to dress in my old school uniform. And like, even if I wanted to, I didn't own my old school uniform. So when I said that, they then said, oh, but do you have any photos from when you were in school? And they didn't mean just like normal photos. They were asking if I had any nudes from when I was of school age. And obviously every time I've like had that request, I've blocked the person and reported them to whatever website they've asked me on. Um, and then, obviously, about them requesting that my family members join in on my videos, which is very, very strange. Uh, I've never understood that. I have sold socks before. Underwear is a little bit harder because you have to, like, vacuum seal it and stuff. Um, but I, one time I did sell, like, a pair of my socks. I sold a pair of thigh highs and I think it was either one or two trainer socks in, like, a bundle thing. And the guy enjoyed it so much. That when they arrived he sent me a photo of him partially nude with the thigh highs up his arms and the trainer socks in his mouth as a gag and i was like thanks my guy didn't need to see that but glad you enjoyed
1: well i've been chatting to social media expert zoe kens from medway about the safety surrounding these sites I started by asking what her advice would be for anyone exploring these sites thinking they can make vast amounts of money.
6: What they've got to think about is that they're putting themselves out there into the public do- domain so anyone can see what they are doing um, because they obviously need a, a public account in order to attract that type of audience and then to to make that type of money. So, you know, imagine yourself putting that out on a big billboard. You know, everything is going to be out there for people to see, but also you're opening yourself up to that negative Feedback and also, you know, people, um, you know, bringing across, um, you know, negative comments.
1: Yeah, I mean, the lady we've spoken to, she clearly knows how to just block and report people. But yeah. I guess if you're not used to that or it's not something you've experienced before, it could be yeah. pretty intimidating, couldn't it?
6: Yeah, if, if you've not experienced feedback and some of the untowardly um, comments that um, you could get. It, you know, and you're not too sure how to deal with them. It can be unsettling and overwhelming in how to deal with that. You can feel unsafe. You can feel threatened. Um, you know, you might even feel like, um, you know, you you just feel unsettled about it on your feet. You know, where where are those messages coming from? Who's watching me? And it's about really making sure you're aware that you are putting yourself out there to the public domain.
1: And what sort of safety nets are there? I mean, this, this lady was saying that if she does get really horrendous abuse, use or any threats. She will report it to the platform that those people have contacted her by. But I mean... That sounds okay in principle, but does anything actually happen if you do that? If you report these people and and then block them, obviously you know you've blocked them, but what happens to them? Anything?
6: If there's been enough comments or blocks or reports about them, then the platform will hopefully take action on that person. But just you blocking and reporting them, they could then go and repeat that scenario to someone else, and um, they could potentially what they could do before, and I know Instagram and Facebook have um, put this into place. Now, where this doesn't happen, but before what would happen is they go and set up another account and then come back and and attack you from there as well. Now, Facebook and Instagram have said that this person wouldn't be able to go and set up another account in order to do that. So that has um, a, a, a good way of of keeping us safe in that respect.
1: And I know we've spoken before about the online safety bill and how you kind of you want that pushed through so that there are more safety nets for people. Um, yeah. that's obviously been delayed. But do you think what's being proposed would help in these sorts of situations? Or does it not go far it's enough? Really you mentioned absolutely. there what Facebook and Instagram um, have done.
6: Yeah, I think the platforms are slowly putting more regulations and rules in place that are helping that filtering um, aspect of the platform. But I still feel there could be more done um, across the online safety bill to, you know, really prompt these big social giants to take action. On, on keeping you know, young people and adults safe online.
1: There's a warning today. The new Lower Thames Crossing will not fix the gridlock through Dartford. New data released today by National Highways shows an unprecedented amount of traffic uses the Dartford Crossing every Friday. You can head to Kent Online, actually, to see their simulation of a typical Friday where they say traffic is bad from 10 o'clock in the morning right through until late in the evening. Well, as you will know by now, there are plans to ease congestion with a 14-mile link road going from Gravesend to Tilbury in Essex. But Dartford East Councillor Penny Cole says it's not enough and we'll have to wait 10 years for it to be built. We'd like to know what you think. You can comment on the story. Building work has started on a new development at the former site of the North Fleet Cement Works. There will be more than 370 homes at Harbour Village along with 160 affordable properties for rent or shared ownership. It's part of the wider Ebbsfleet Garden City project. And a bit of a heads up, it's feared there could be gridlock in Margate this weekend as rail strikes coincide with the hot weather and a huge pride event. Members of the Aslef Union are walking out for 24 hours in a row over pay and conditions. That means there'll be no Southeastern services at all on Saturday, meaning more people will be driving down to the coast instead. Do make sure that you follow our travel blog on the day. On the website, you can also listen to regular travel updates on our sister radio station, KMFM.
0: Kent Online Sports.
1: First up, football and Gillingham are through to the second round of the Carabao Cup. They beat AFC Wimbledon 2-0 away from home last night after losing to the same side in League Two just a couple of weeks ago, where both goals came in the last few minutes of the match. The second one was scored by Jordan
7: Green. It's a great feeling, especially because we won on Saturday, to come and carry momentum and then now hopefully we get a little run going. Obviously, we, we, we want to win. Both teams want to win. Uh, we want to do well. Um, I think we're just trying to show it, whatever way it is, whether it's quality or the effort we put in, tackles we're putting in, it, it, it's no malice, but it's just how it goes. I think just getting in the box, I know I'm quick, I can be scary to play against, so it's just about getting a yard and trying to find a finish. I was part-time last year, uh, a little bit before that, I wasn't doing anything, so I think it's important for me to, to not slack and show exactly what I can do, week in, week out, put the effort in as much as I can and, and prove to myself why I should be here. The gaffers put so much trust in me. The fans have supported me since I've been here. So it's just been a different different class. Uh, I wasn't expecting it, of course, but to see the fans actually standing and clapping for me, it gave me so much confidence and it gave me so much kind of like love for the fans, like getting behind me, helping me, supporting me. To have more people behind you, it's like, wow, like go and do you, like go and really try and help, like impress the fans. I think the effort levels I put in, the. the I try, I try hard. I put my all in every time I play. So um, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest, but I'm very happy with it and I feel very supported and I want to do well for the fans now. Coming in here on trial, I had to kind of just prove that I really do want this. Um, I'm not slacking off. There's no if, buts or maybes, this is what I want. i got to put in the, the effort every single time I, I step up.
1: Staying with football and the Kent FA has been given funding to start a new emerging talent centre for girls. It's hoped the Lionesses' success at the Women's Euros will inspire a new generation of players. Youngsters will be able to sign up to attend trials in September. On to cricket now and Harry Finch is returning to Kent for the rest of the One Day Cup season. The 27-year-old helped the Spitfires win the T20 Blast last summer. He'll be available to play in tomorrow's game against Essex and in tennis there's been a bit of a setback for Kent's Emma Raducanu as she prepares to defend her US Open title she's been knocked out of the Canadian Open after losing in straight sets to Italy's Camilla Giorgi in the first round the 19 year old from Orpington is hoping to retain her title in New York next month well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram you can also get access to the ad free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward subscribe.
0: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast.
1: This podcast is
0: sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Sayat, and Vauxhall.